Android, so, you know, bro. So you know how I was like taken aback by when I saw the um, Canterbury logo and realized that it was three Kiwi birds. Yeah. Similar thing happened to me on Saturday, Saturday night. I think Saturday night. Um, someone out of my housemate was doing a crossword because we were just over other people's houses to do a sparring. There was a random um, newspaper and we seeing people were making dinner and she was doing that. And it was like a three letter word and the only clue was sheep. And we were sort of thinking about like, oh, like, okay, you, okay, ram, or it could have just be bar. And then like popped into my head, bar ram you. And I was like, did you ever click that babe the movie, the like secret passcode that the sheep tell the pig is bar ram you as in three different sheep words? No. Yeah, I knew that. that I, I just, I just I was thought like, it was noises. Yeah, it could have been. It could have been. But bar is blue. the sound they make, rather than actual object. A name yeah. of a sheep, but still, it's still bar ram. Like, yeah, I knew that. Okay, well, yeah, I, I found that really like another today. Like, I learned moment. Bar ram you sheep be true. So it's seven meters out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again, and Larkham, Kefu, Ty Kefu, did he get it? That's the match winner, that is the match winner, Kefu will never score a more important try, and look at the Wallaby players, that is the green result they wanted, it's a heartbreak for the All Blacks. Anyway, welcome into the Running Rugby podcast. You've got Archie, Toby and Leo here again, and we're breaking down all the action from round four in Super Rugby Trans-Tasman. And we will start off getting straight into it. Crusaders hosted the force down there at Orange Theory Stadium on Friday night. And I know it was a final sort of minutes try, but the force brought it back. They got within eight points here. They um, managed to deprive the Crusaders of any bonus point. Crusaders obviously resting a few key men in this on uh, Moanga not getting the start as well as a few other big names. And I think it just makes such a difference to them. Obviously, Moanga just, I don't know, he can just change. I reckon you could put him on any team probably and he'd turn them into a championship sort of potential force. But Crusaders get this one, 29-21, reasonably convincing, but still force, still showing bits and pieces. I really like Oliver Fella. I just, I like him. He came off the bench, scored that final try. I like his little stag celebration. Yeah, all the fellow was good um, when he came on. I, I think he's still a little bit. Um, he's, he's really elusive, and he's and he's a quick thinker. He seems to sort of put in some good kicks as well. But like, like he's just not a really dominant runner, and that seems to be the build of a lot of wingers at the moment. Um, the yeah, this game was interesting. So the, the force played a really smart game for a lot of it. They kept the ball away from the Crusaders, which I think we we talked about in the preview, just make sure that they don't have too many opportunities. Do that by, you know, really valuing the ball and doing as much as you can with it, holding it onto it for long stints and trying to frustrate them. But it just shows the the skill and the quality of this side that with, you know, under 40% possession for the game, they still got more points and um, were just, yeah, more, more dominant when they did have the ball. Um, they did, the force were very good at taking it back. They, they turn over, they were turning over at the rucks regularly, um, forcing errors. Um, good signs. Like it, I guess it's it's another loss for the force. It, we we didn't expect a lot, but at least um, they you know they they challenged a team that is 
across the park, very, very strong. Um, standouts for me were probably Fergus Lee Warner, I thought was good. Callum, the debutante number eight, was good. Um, and got a try yeah, debut. Yeah, he did. And uh, and Pulu, Pulu had a had a decent game before he left the field. So um, yeah, that's that was uh, probably the top three for me. Which is a shame, isn't it? Because apparently Pulu was back on Rennie's radar. Um, so another guy. That, yeah, exactly. Those and that's been stay healthy. Yeah, it's a shame. Some of these players that you know, Ulysses was that type of guy for a while, and you know, we've kind of realised that he isn't the player that we thought he was. But I think that we've saw it for the Chiefs even back when Pulu was with them. I think. Rennie would have had a fair bit to do with him back in the day as well. So I think it's um it's a real shame for him, but we do have enough wingers to cover that from an Australian perspective. Um, but the force, look, it really shows here the Crusaders not having Moonga is probably the difference between them being a very good team and an elite team. And during the week, a lot of the New Zealand panel was saying, look, this is probably the the premier domestic club team in the world. But you can see that, you know, the margin for error in this competition is still pretty small. So the force, pretty good showing here. Still not a win for them, but they're getting closer. They're getting better. And I think it's good signs for Australian rugby if we can actually start, you know, minimising these margins, getting closer. I think, you know, from an international perspective, we're going to be sitting pretty well at the end of this if we're starting to improve towards these New Zealand counterparts. Yeah, and you're right. Like, I've... I was sitting down where I live, um, my housemates from Canterbury and obviously just a massive Richie Moanga fan sat down and made me watch a YouTube video of um, 10 times Richie went God mode or something. And it's just, it's ridiculous. Like the stuff that he does. And even though I've seen it game in game out for multiple years, it's still, you watch it all in comparison and it's just amazing. Um, I don't think much more to say about that game, boys. Let's go to the Reds up at Suncourt versus the Blues. Um, Blues did take this 31-24 Bit of a shame we had some late injury changes James O'Connor and Hegarty Both um, not able to suit up for this game And so we had Hamish Stewart come in at 10 And Matt Geely um, As a debutant sort of starting at fullback uh, So I was surprised Like Matt Greeley coming in there Instead of someone like Jock Campbell Does that surprise you guys? I, I mentioned him early on in the, the season this year. I actually thought he might bow down the fullback spot at some point during the season. It's come pretty late, but he's a big talent. And I think Brad Thorne obviously believes in him to give him the opportunity. And I think he's going to be a pretty, like he's going to be a, a mainstay. I think of this Reds team, if he signs on for a long period of time, I think he could be their next really quality fullback. And he's been picked again this week um, with Hegarty back in at 10. So as opposed to sticking with Hamish Stewart and then putting Hegarty back at 15, I think that makes sense that Hegarty was going to be their backup 10 in most situations and to lose both for this game was, was pretty unfortunate. They, they still held up reasonably well. Like Stewart's not quite as strong a runner and um, distributor as James O'Connor, but serviceable uh, against a lesser team. I think the Reds probably still would have managed to, to do this game. Um, yeah, like I said, really looked good. They stuck with the Dalgunov and Valu combo, which was really good. The forwards all stood up. The the bit where they fell down was the lineouts, particularly early in the second half. They just gave away a lot of ball, and that's where the score really started um, slipping away from them. Uh, first twenty minutes of the second half, they conceded a couple of tries and 
it just just became a, a bit too big a margin to reel back in. Um, but aside from that, the Reds were, were pretty strong, which again speaks to their system, to their, their squad. They can throw different guys in at late notice and they don't just completely fall apart. I don't think we could say that for some of the other Australian teams, um, losing guys out of the back line with the experience and quality of Hegarty and O'Connor would have been uh, a pretty, you know, mortal blow to a couple of other Australian teams. They had the similar sort of guys out of their side last minute. Yeah, and I think the Reds, they're, they're showing they're a really good team. You know, BPA going off here for yellow card for 10 minutes and then the Blues scoring a couple of tries in that period really in the end was the margin there. And I think that's that's a shame because the Reds had an opportunity here to beat a very good Blues team without two of their central figures from that starting 15. Um, yeah, and it's just... It's these little things in a game where you, know, you make a couple of errors, it can really catch up with you by the end. And BPA, I think, although he's showing a lot of good things around the field, he's, he's scrummaging, he's kind of carrying his defence, but his line-out throwing is still all over the place. And that continues to be an issue for Australian rugby. The hooker spot is still largely undetermined, I think, for this Wallaby season. Yeah, I still don't know who the hooker of the future is. But, yeah, it's particularly in this game, it was so frustrating watching the Reds time after time losing um, lineouts to to this Blues team and just giving away possession when they're in good positions. Some credit to the Blues forward pack, though, like Tuipilotu. Oh, Tuipilotu is amazing. Like, yeah, just yeah. mind reader. Like, he, he was up in the perfect spot to snatch the ball off the Reds, putting pressure on uh, BPA. And, you know, that's when his throws start really... You know, you have to start changing the way you're throwing because you can't deliver the ball as directly as he had been. You have to start trying to lob it and drop it in on the right depth. And there was one that went pretty pretty far out to the to the right when he was uh, yeah Cookman called for not straight. Which that's pressure. That's defensive pressure from the Blues. They put a man up. They they go to that effort and they get rewarded. So mm. um, that you know credit to them and and their backline again. That they've got some young guys now that just game after game. Uh, proving themselves and it's going to be, you know, probably a couple of young potential future All Blacks floating around in the back three for this side that just looking really, really dynamic, really solid, uh, really dangerous. Um, The Reds were good enough to contain them, but not everyone has been this season. Another name that I probably reckon that should be up in sort of All Black selectors' mind is Gerald Cowie Tuiotti. Like, he's had a couple of weeks... Um, with obviously Tui Pilotu out. And he's been sort of immense just around the park. In this game, he had 10 carries, 20 from 20 tackles as well, um, as well as sort of being a menace in the lineout along with Tui Pilotu as well. Um, we know that they sort of had been experimenting a little bit with bringing people in for the locks for the All Blacks and the likes of sort of Tupo Vai and other people um, in the last 12 months. I think Jared Crowley, Tui Yoshi should be named in that um, squad when, when they're coming up against some of the um, Fijian Island nations. Let's keep moving. And then we have um, the Highlanders hosted the Waratahs down there in Forsyth Bar. And look, I initially sort of was talking about the Waratahs chances last week. Um, those hopes were reasonably quickly dashed when I saw the amount of sort of um, injuries that our front row had, had suffered. We lost um, Angus Bell, Harry Johnson Holmes and Deterra Faulkner. Um, in the space of last week during training sessions. So that really hurts you quite a bit as well. But um, 59 to 23, Waratahs 
cop another massive score despite having those times on attack where they look like they can put a bit of stuff together. Um, but I mean, it started early, so a little interplay between um, a bunch of the uh, Highlanders' backs um, and Michael Collins goes over sort of two minutes in and then it sort of stayed a little bit even, but second half, the Waratahs just did not have the stamina to match um, the men from Southland. Yeah, and just disappointing again. I think the defensive effort here wasn't good enough, leaking 59 points against a Highlanders team who have been scoring more of late, but honestly, the Waratahs really need to do something about their defense. And that may come down again to cohesion with all these changes and actually that communication being between players. But largely, I mean, the back line is pretty solid at the moment in terms of continuity there. And they're still not defending to the standard they need to be. You know, it's all well and good to talk about the fact that they've, you know, improved their attacking play of late, but that's really not going to help when you leak that many points. So I think it's just, you know, it's a write-off season. I have one more opportunity this week against the Chiefs to get a win on the board. Otherwise, it oh, they're will not go even down thinking as... about that, man. Like, I think, that, I think they Chris have Whittaker's, to have some sort of focus because... But Chris Whitaker's just come out and said they're not thinking in terms of wins and losses. Like, they just want to go out there and be actually proud of their own performance, which yeah, I think well, is probably more think, realistic. Yeah, that, no, that's a fair thing because you can try and pump the guys up and say last chance to get a win, but really, I, I don't think many people are giving them much chance. Who, yeah, especially who on that with team the team is buying into that idea? Yeah, like, yeah, we're we're going. No, but I think, you, I think can you, lose catch, you can catch the Chiefs napping without Damian McKenzie at Brookvale. I think there's an opportunity there, but you're right. It, it is probably harsh to think that they should get a win here, but I think it's a professional team. They have to be aiming that way. I think I think it's the way he's said it though. Like if you tell them it's not about wins and losses, then you're you're establishing that you're not going to be judged on the wins and losses. And obviously, you know, last minute coaching changes in mid season. Like how can anyone fault the guys for just doing what they can? But if you just tell them, look. All we want to do in this game, we're not going to be focused on getting the win. If we deliver on all of our effort in training and all of our tactics and all of our all of our preparation and deliver a good performance, then we, that's something we can be happy with. And if you say that and then get the win, then obviously one led to the other, that you prepared well, you executed well, and you got a win. But you haven't held yourself to some false expectation that the players don't buy into, that you were actually in a position to get the win so i think you i think that's a better way to frame it like it's probably get, get it out there now that yeah you're probably going to have a, a a totally defeated season or whatever you call it no non-winning season but give yourself a window like but if we were to perform and deliver on our all our preparation and training hey there's still a chance you can be proud of that i think it's a good way of trying to motivate the boys without instilling that pressure on them but i think from a fan perspective, from a general public perspective, they need to be winning like at least one game in a season. So it's just not acceptable. I think when we you need get to have to high the, standards here. Yeah, but I know when we need to, to be realistic, but and it's the Chiefs. But yeah, yeah. Without their, one of their key players, I think we still need to be aggressive in in our outlook. Um, you know, maybe that is just completely unrealistic. Um, but the pressure was relieved mid-season with um, with. I've forgotten his name already. Rob Penny. With Rob, 
with Penny gone, like that took a bit of the pressure Penny off dropped. because he kind of he he wore that, you know, and that was probably unfair on him as well. And the players have kind of haven't had that accountability as such. And maybe that will just come in the off season when certain players aren't re-signed. But there just needs to be such a dramatic turnaround for 2022 because it's just it's been a terrible season. Well, the problem is as well, like I already listed some of the injury concerns in the prop stocks, but um, David Parecki, um, Jake Gordon are in doubt for this week's with minor niggles as well. Like they're talking about like they're struggling to have a 23 um, named person to put on the team sheet uh, for this game at the moment. So, well then, I mean, Leo's comments are more applicable. I would say I wasn't, aware that those two pretty key guys could be out. Um, you know, they're depleted enough. Yeah. I just think they need that winning mindset. They need to be aggressive in, in what they're set out to do. Um, but again, it's really hard for them. I know these guys are hurting. Like, there's no doubt about that. But yeah, the, the pressure is obviously still there individually for these guys to perform for contracts and such for the Wallabies and, you know, other things to work for this year. Yeah, without hearing all of the the comments from Whitaker or or the other coaching group, like again, if they're saying we're not focused on just we we're here to get the win, we're here to you know play well and and play well as individuals, play well as a team. Maybe maybe in the way it was said was like you know, and then if we do that, we get the win and and we can be you know happy with that. I'm sure that's what they're saying in the team room though. It's like you you all execute well. You deliver what we've prepared in training. We can we can win this game. So I don't feel like you're going to just play well and still lose. It's, if you do everything right, you can absolutely win this game. But you have to do everything right, and we're actually you know we're really focused on just executing what we've prepared our plan, and and you know whether the margin ends up being that or something else, then so be it. Let's get moving on. Let's go down to Canberra and Jio and join the newly minted Wallabies forwards coach Dan McKellar. Um, as he took the Brumbies to their first win in Super Rugby Trans-Tasman, second win for an Australian team. Brumbies took it by two points in the end, 12 to 10. Um, not the most convincing performance by the Brumbies. I, I actually thought they probably should have lost. I didn't think that the try at the end should have been disallowed from the Hurricanes. And then Geordie misses a couple of penalties as well. Um, they had every chance to win this and... I'm not sure the the Brumbies really t- deserve to take a win from this, but you got to take what you can get. Yeah, I mean the the Hurricanes, based on the three previous games, are averaging like forty something points. Like the Brumbies have kept them to ten, but they have gotten away very luckily with these two penalties that Geordie missed late in the game, among other things. Um, there's not much you can do when you've infringed and they're inside your half, and someone with the the caliber of boot of Geordie is lining one up. Um, but they can be stoked that they, they did get away with it. Um, they were, it's like, like a lot of this season, like they just haven't quite been up to their own high standard. Um, they should have been able to put this team away. They shut them down. They should have been scoring a few more points, but just gave away too much ball, missed too many tackles. Um, should have been should have been able to you know put a comfortable twenty five something at home on this team, just couldn't string it together. Yeah, totally. And I think I said this to you guys yesterday or the day before that the you know by their standards this is a very disappointing season. 
they weren't able to defend their title against the Reds. Um, having been clean, clean swept by the Reds during the AU season and now they're one and four in this trans-Tasman competition. So I think just what's been lacking with them is consistency. They're known as a team with great systems in place who play consistent attacking football and, and defend relatively well as well and have a good set piece. And I think maybe some of these injuries have hurt them. You know, guys like Slipper not being around, Pete Samu, I think those type of injuries have really hurt them. But again, you know, the Brumbies are a very classy organisation with high standards and I think they'll be tremendously disappointed with this season. Um, I do think all the all the kind of building blocks are there to kick on for next year, but they, they just can't get complacent, I guess. We've seen how much the Reds have kind of progressed in the last, say, 12 to 18 months and the Brumbies just need to have that mindset that, look, We've been the premier team in Australia probably for a few years now, barring this year, and we need to actually like really start building upon what we've done here and, and kick on. Um, and that might be hard given Dan McKellar's going to be moving on maybe after next year, Arch, is that right? Yeah, that's right. So he'll stay head coach for another year. Um, so and they need some sort of succession. Pure for Wallabies. Yeah. I think like the fact that, once again, we saw a team like the Hurricanes copped a yellow card in this and the Brumbies don't take advantage. Like that is the thing that I consistently seem to be seeing from Australian teams at this stage. And I know teams are getting better at defending a man down. They actually train for this um, a lot more than they previously did because cards are so common. But it's still just, it's just something that you need to be better at. The same way like, and lineouts again for them as well. I think they lost five lineouts or something on their own throw. Like, that's just not acceptable at all for a team that you're supposed to be one of the best sort of line-out teams in Australia. And, and that's Lockie Lonigan, isn't it? Another off, yeah, him and then potential Pilar. Wallaby hooker that we're, he might be the front runner right now, strangely enough. Falau Fyinger seems to have fallen well out of favour across the board. Um, and BPA, now we've seen BPA and Lockie Lonigan. Um, Parecki hasn't been that much better, maybe a bit more solid, but line-out is a big issue for Australian rugby. If we can't actually get our throws right, that's that's huge. Part of the, part of the line-out is the, the combination of guys lifting and jumping. The, the Brumbies were a bit slow to get up. I don't know if we can put it all on Lonigan because it wasn't all just you know indirect throws and things. There's some other issues there as well. Well, Caden um, Neville... I think being injured, he yeah, generally runs the line that's, out, and that's, that's hurt the factor. Well. Yeah, Kate Neville was been has been massive this season, so not having him, um, Swain and Frost have been okay, but you know, just not not the same combination they had there earlier. Guys, I would highlight as having good games as individuals in this game. Luke Rema, who uh, was playing at open side, uh, I thought was pretty aggressive at the ruck and caused a lot of fuss, forced the Hurricanes to commit a bit more. Um, in def- in just supporting their own attack, yeah, yeah, the strap, um, him and coming off the bench when when the scrum was looking a little bit dicey and late in the game, they were they were trying not to concede penalties, trying not to give ground, and um, the scrum started holding up well. Harrison Lloyd um, deserves a pat on the back. Thought he was uh, impressive as well. Um, did as much as he could, and and again they got away with this one, but. Um, still, still good to see that some of that depth is coming through. I think the Australian teams just don't have, you know, eight guys, ten guys worth of depth to bring out and and maintain their 
their intensity and their skill level that unfortunately we fall away um, when we start getting deep into the subs and then a couple of injuries and that's just your level. You're just capped. Mm. Um, but, you know, good intensity. It's, it's good that they kept them out. You have to do a fair bit to keep the Hurricanes to 10, even with the bad kicking. So some credit there. Yeah. And um, oh, and Bailey Quinzel, actually, I should say. Bailey Quinzel looked good even playing it um, inside centre there, slightly out of position, looked look good, flipped in the 10 later on in the game. Um, Big unit. He, he, yeah. Look, he would be an asset to someone like the Rebels, honestly, if they, if they didn't. Forces signed him. Oh, sorry, the Forces signed him. Well, yep. there you go. So, Last week, the Force signed Kunzel and the other reserve Brumbies fly half, who his yeah, name escapes me. There you go. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, he's been selected this weekend on the bench as well. So there you go. You know, well, the... Kunzel's starting at 10 this weekend. I think that yeah. was. Yeah. Really? Okay. Is that. Yeah, why is that? I don't know. Alessio Alessio or. Because Simone yeah. only was, was only not starting because his baby was born that morning. So that yeah. was a forced change. But yeah, it just seems funny to me that Kunzel's getting all these opportunities now upon After him leaving. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's crazy. Well, there's there's nothing really now for the Brumbies to play for aside from respect. They've, they've got the Highlanders at home. They want to put in a good performance. Um, it's yeah. not going to win. <laughs> there's no chance. We need three wins out of five to win I our bet. I don't see it. Done. Don't see Easy. Done. <laughs> you got three home teams. You're going to back them? I don't think so. Icky Town's try was pretty good at the end of this as well. He got through a oh. fair few and somehow managed to keep his feet. That's that's nice. He's awesome. No, that's that nice was it. Good stuff at the end of the season, right around when the Wallabies uh, squad and selections are really getting firmed up. If we don't see a Paisami, Ikitao center combination for the Wallabies, I'll be so surprised. It's crazy that we thought, oh no, it's not crazy that we thought. I mean, five Reds out of 25, five wins out of 25 games, and we can't even do that. That's pretty pathetic. Reds could have beaten the Blues last weekend for sure, and then you would have been two from this weekend. Full strength Still. Reds against Hurricanes, full strength Brumbies against Highlanders. It's not unreasonable. Yeah. I, I, I still think it's it's not dumb of us to make that decision. I think it's disappointing. Just did you make that disappointing. after the first round? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because that's why lost. the price was so good. Mm. Yeah, because there's a couple of games in that first round we probably should have won. So I just really hope this is an indicative of how the rugby championship is going to play out. Because I can't take another year of us losing by thirty in each Bledisloe or something like that's just. Drive me nuts. It won't. It won't. I'm not. The only the only reason I think that probably won't happen is because Rennie is there, and he's a smart guy. knows how to play to our strengths and kind of mitigate these these New Zealand teams. But without him, I would. Yeah, if it was Checker still there, I'd be a bit a bit worried. All right. Before we get too far ahead of ourselves, we do have to talk about the Rebels and the Chiefs. Uh, the home game for the Chiefs, obviously, at Leichhardt Oval, um, since the Rebels can't travel at the moment and they're staying there this weekend as well at Leichhardt. Um, Chiefs taking this 36 to 26, um, slightly closer than what you may have expected, um, pretty much on the back of the man that's back from the dead. And I hope Rennie's sort of paying a bit of attention, but Izzy Nasarani um, has well and truly um, made a statement that he wants to be considered for Wallabies, even if he is going off to Japan, but two trials. Well, one. Apparently that hasn't been confirmed, which he is hasn't a positive anything. at that's least. Just, yeah. That's just the, the thought. That's that the, 
Yeah, that's the the rumor. But maybe look, if he finishes strong, gets selected in this Wallaby squad on Jones Sunday, maybe that'll change his mind. And I think they should do that. They screwed him around last year, and maybe he's shown enough now that they're willing to actually include him in the squad. But that could mean he's around for the next World Cup. And otherwise, maybe he's just going to be gone for the next five years. You just don't know. So otherwise, the Rebels, again, got a bit decimated by injury. They're a bit similar to the Tars at the moment because it looks like Tamur's not going to be there for this uh, weekend. And they're still missing Hodge and Haylett Petty. Um, Stacey Elise has had to return to Melbourne um, for personal reasons. And Campbell Magnay still having chronic migraines. So their back line's going to look a little bit different. Uh, next weekend as well. Yeah, unfortunate for them. And I mean, I, I feel a little bit like a lot of these guys just going <clears throat> oh, a bit down this weekend. Oh, all these in a few weeks. Kind of want to get selected. Don't want to be injured. Don't want to be too tired. Oh, going to rest up. Um, this game depends what position you're in, though. Yeah. Oh yeah, I know. Tamua maybe. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I, I don't know if it's them or if it's just the you know. Rugby Australia kind of overhead, like there's not much to play for here. There's every reason to get some of your development players out and give them a taste in. So a, you think, is that why um, Gordon and Parecki are also injured? I mean, sure, probably. Could be. If honestly, if we're not, could, if we're I not just putting a bet Gordon, down honestly. all five Australian teams losing this weekend in a massive multi because we're just hiding all our players we want fit for Wallabies, we're probably. Missing opportunity. I mean, the thing is, like, that's relevant because the turnaround for this French series from this competition is very small. And so maybe they are just saying, well, this is a write-off because no one can make the final, so let's just focus on that. Of course, you can't be seen to be doing that because that just undermines the whole, you know, trans-Tasman competition every year. Like, when we, we want to play New Zealand, we want to be up against good competition, blah, blah, blah. Oh, but when it gets late in that competition and we've got nothing to play for, we're all just going to fail and erode I think it this completely. Is, like that's no, I think this is probably a one-off almost because there, you, you go straight to the grand final. And so you'd hope that most years there'd be an Australian team featuring. But, yeah, when it's a 12-10 competition, how many teams go to finals maybe... Do you take six? Do you take four? I don't know. But you're right. It could actually undermine the competition late in the season if the Australian teams are doing really poorly. That's right. Yeah, so it can't be seen to be doing it, but I, I do kind of feel this year we're all a bit knocked around. Um, you know, they've, they've, had, they've had 10 weeks of the Australian competition with finals and then five pretty, well, this will be the fifth high-intensity uh, weeks with a bit of travel to New Zealand that guys maybe not, being as uh, well conditioned for after a domestic season. So, yeah, it, it doesn't surprise me there's a few key names out. And anyway, back, back to this game, like the the Chiefs sends Demi McKenzie, uh, Tia Tia, Trask, Gatland, all stepping up, playing playing their role in the pivot and the support uh, roles. And, um, yeah, I mean, they, they got out to such a start. I don't think the, the, Rebels, the Rebels obviously reeled them in there. But I felt like that was just a sign that when the Chiefs wanted to get a run on, they they pretty much had their way. Um, so it was nice for the Rebels to stay in touch, but I think the score, the, the margin's probably a little bit flattering. Yeah. Leonard Brown again. Oh, my God, that guy is so good. Doesn't always stand out as, like, one of those elite players, but then mm. you see him in these games where he's just carving and, you know, 
weaving between people in the second line and he's just like, yeah, Absolutely. he's very good. He's su- he's quietly very good. Like, he's, you, yeah, you it's just, like Conrad Smith. Yeah, you're like, you don't know yeah. until you don't have him and then you're like, oh, what the yeah. hell? The next guy up is not as good by a fair margin, but when he's in that team of superstars, he might be the guy who mostly is perceived to be doing his job, but Jeezy can step it up. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Chiefs still looking strong. I uh, I expect yep. that uh, round five will be pretty generous to them as well. Mm. Technically, they do still have a chance to make finals, though. Um, it would take a bonus point win for them and losses to Highlanders, Crusaders, Hurricanes, and, well, three of the, the other four um, New Zealand teams. So maybe not that likely for them. But Hurricanes... Next Friday, hosting the Reds back in Wellington. This is one of these ones we need um, need the Reds, Reds to win, Toby. So the Reds, obviously, we heard James O'Connor still not going to be there. Mac really retaining his spot at 15. Harry Wilson continues to be on his tear. Something we didn't mention before was how good was that line from Harry Wilson to score the try off um, Hunter Paisami, the quick Very pass. flat ball. Very oh. flat. Camera angles did not probably give us the chance to judge that one. That's it. Yeah. Uh, I think It was I a good think, line, though. He's done all, up, all the build-up well. I think Harry Wilson is converted to flat earth um, after looking at that. He's like, yeah, yeah, it's all flat. It's all flat, mate. Um, but, yeah, what do you reckon? Reds, like, I've, can they can take this, right? Yeah, they can take it, but... Why is Fraser not starting? Like, this is just getting on my nerves now. Like, I know Brad Thorne was maybe trying to make a point, but he's been at what out of the starting lineup for three weeks now. And this is this is a guy that we potentially thought could be starting for the Wallabies against France, and he's off the bench. I still think he's going to be. I mean, maybe 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 this could be a workload thing. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but he, he's a key piece of that Reds team. And I think although Liam Wright does a pretty good job, I think Fraser kind of shades him, at least in the number seven position. But I think, yeah, the Reds have enough personnel in this game to get the job done against the Hurricanes team that at times are pretty potent, pretty dangerous, but they're also a bit flimsy and you can, you can manipulate them. I think mentally they're, they're a little bit weak. I think the Reds' systems are better. And I think their personnel match up to the Hurricanes pretty well. Isaac Henry's continuing to impress me. I like his direct running. Um, someone mentioned that, you know, there's shades of Ben Tune in, in the way he runs and carries the ball, which I well, thought maybe was he pretty he's accurate. playing on the wing then because he was hanging out a long time out wide, not doing much. Yeah, and maybe I, I, I can see it, Arch, that maybe he needs to be a bit more in the midfield there, actually more central in the game and, and getting his hands on the ball more. But that probably is just experience as well. Josh Fluke on the wing, um, you know, it's a shame that we don't have um, Suni Vunavali there. So they're going to lose a little bit with that. But I think overall the Reds have enough to get this game. Whether I tip them or not, I'm not sure. The Hurricanes team is looking pretty strong, bar maybe one or two guys. They don't look like they're resting anyone. Um, yeah, it's, I think it's another tight one for the Reds, like an opportunity like last week where it could go either way because the Hurricanes are a decent team. They're not quite the Blues, but they can surprise you. And I think the Reds need to be on their game to ensure they have a chance. 
How much incentive yeah. is there though? This is probably the thing. How much incentive is there for, for this Reds team? It, I'm sure Brad Thorne is saying, look, we, we play till the end. You know, there's no letting the Absolutely. foot off the pedal. And maybe some guys are still pressing for all these duties, but yeah. I think that's the motivation at this point is, you know, representative honours and even longer term for Reds, they've got more depth, particularly in the backs than most teams. Um, there's a lot of young guys there trying to, you know, lock up a, a clear spot in the 23. Um, and they're going to be faced with superstars like Julian Sevier and Jordy Barrett and even Wes Houston, who's just speedy and smart, a little bit um, like sort of sneaky in the way he positions himself and runs lines on the field. Like all these guys are going to have to be really um, on their game one-on-one this week against this team or they will, they will suffer. Um, I, I didn't mention um, last week actually – in, in that game where we didn't have Hegarty and we didn't have Jock, Paisami stepped up quite a lot into that oh, receiver, he's, he's awesome. kicker, playmaker role. Again, like just yeah. how many feathers does this guy have, have in his cap? He just looks super assured when he gets his hands on the ball, like he knows exactly what he's going to do. That's and it. he does it with confidence. And and to have that with Hegarty, like that gives me a lot of confidence that the Reds have a couple of different avenues for attack and can can spread the Hurricanes out, which is critical to then creating some space for your weapons. bit disappointing Vinavalu isn't there. Josh Fluke's a good player, but he's just not that same aerial threat, same dynamic runner as, uh, as Vinavalu. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a really good contest. Like, this is a real prove-it moment for the Reds. They're down a couple of people, but they've still got a very strong side. You know, Angus Scott Young Angus is keeping... Blythe. Yeah, Angus Blythe's back in the starting side. Ryan Smith back to the bench. Like, um, go figure. How, do the, how does Brad Thorne, you know, work nah, out these locks? Man. That's, that's workload for sure. But like, Ryan Smith was a bit knocked around in that game. I, I think they're probably just easing his workload a little bit. Blythe came on and was was serviceable. And they still got Luke Hahn there. Um, what I was going to say, Angus Scott Young continues to essentially keep Fraser McWright out because he's taking the sixth spot that Liam Wright could take back but isn't. And Fraser McWright's left on the bench. So... If, if nothing else, it gives the Reds a strong um, sort of set for the 80 minutes. So they'll bring Fraser on in 50, 55 minutes That's, you know, for someone, depending on the context of the game, who they want to keep, and he will, he will have his time. Um, the critical thing for that back row is shut down Artie Sevilla. Don't let him break through the line. Don't let him build momentum and give the backs a platform. It, I think we've talked a lot about the backs there, but um, the forwards are the key to this game. If they can make their set piece a bit more of a weapon, like the Hurricanes have some good forwards that work well, reasonably well together, um, but they don't have any standouts outside Sevilla, I don't think. So you're exactly right, Leo, like shut down Sevilla and then just put pressure on their set piece. Make it it hard for them to get clean ball off scrums and from lineouts and you'll be all over them, I reckon. Fair, but maybe not giving them enough credit. Like I think... Duplessis, Karifi is still playing really well. I think Lomax is playing really well and they are starting Amua as well. So there's plenty of dynamic runners in that side. Um, but that, that's all right. The Reds have the, have the squad. Uh, I think their second row is probably stronger. I think their back row is probably stronger across the board. But you just can't let those individuals really break the game open because they are difference makers. What about Brumbies, Highlanders down at GIO? Obviously, second home game for the Brumbies. They'd be searching for another win here. Are we going to have a double um, taste of Australian victory on Friday night? Again, strong chance. Like, 
the Highlanders have put on heaps of points. Um, they're they're playing well with this Smith Mitch Hunt combination. Guys like Scott Gregory, who I didn't think belonged in the centres at all, are actually um, combining well and and doing their part. So yeah, I, there's there's plenty of guys in this side who who have the talent. Um, there and Himeno Himeno as well, like just such a good ball runner. Um, it's gonna be a good game. Brumbies need to gonna play well. They're gonna be you know fielding that uh, slightly different side with um, Kunzel Tan and um, some other guys subbed in there. Like it's at least they've got Mac and um, Tom Wright on the wings. It's hard to pick. I'm struggling to to split these ones. I would really like to just say, yeah, Brumbies for the win, but only 12 points last week. They need to find something more than they had against the Hurricanes because uh, I feel like this is probably going to be, you know, you're not going to win if you don't get 25-plus points. And even that's probably underestimating, I think. Look, I think the fact they're at home helps a lot, the Brumbies. We know that GI really does have an impact. And Highlanders... Again, they're a bit of a home team that plays, performs well. It's a Forsyth bar. I'm tempted to go Brumbies again, but again, very narrowly. You know, zero to five point kind of margin there. Well, and back to the Hurricanes think? red, I, I'm, I'm almost on the fence with that. I could go the Hurricanes. So, I mean, hopefully you get one win out of these two games, but these are still the two premier teams in Australia. What did we all tip the Brumbies by last week? Did we do like two, two, one, two, three? three. One, two, three. I had them by one. I think I actually had them by three, two, and I had them by two. So uh, we were all on on a wavelength on that one. Same brain. (laughs) And uh, Toby and I wisely changed our tips for the Reds after we heard about O'Connor Haggerty. (laughs) Got ourselves back. Yeah, I went went like Blues by thirteen or something. This is why you've got to pay attention to the social media, get the updates. Um, these sorts of things will change the game. It's not sure. often that kind of stuff happens. So they're big. two pretty big changes, but that's exactly why you get complacent. Absolutely. It's not MLR. Just remember that. <laughs> you need a different algorithm. Number one, one in the world. Um, yeah, my algorithm <laughs> doesn't work for Terrence Tasman. Melbourne Rebels, Leichhardt Oval, Canterbury Crusaders. Death by a thousand tries. <laughs> Yeah, this is going to be messy. If the rebels are all, if all those people you've talked about Arch aren't going to be featuring, nope. And I mean, I think the Crusaders will probably they'll rest and rotate again, even more than last week. But I don't think it's going to matter. This this speaks to about a fifty point margin in my books, and yeah. Maybe I, I, what the, wait, what the, when is this on Saturday? To, ooh, I'm tempted to attend and see how big this margin can be. You should. <laughs> like how that's your stomping There's going to be no man. one Get there. there. But anyway. Yeah, front seat. Front, well, front I'm going to go to the Tars Chiefs, Chiefs game. So I could go Leichhardt and then up to Brookvale. That's not a that's bad like little... a nice little afternoon there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a nice little league heartlands to, to taint a little bit. I, I agree. I, I don't. I don't think fifty points because I reckon the Crusaders will definitely deploy the second fifteen. But their second fifteen versus the Rebels, very good. You know, first slash second fifteen is still going to be a heady mix. So it's probably in the range of like a 35, 30 to thirty-five. Um, yeah, this and that's is where the you intensity see... drops off after fifty. So you see, like the new World Jordan come out for next season, and you're like, oh. 
That's it. What's this? Who's this bloke? Crusaders and then might suddenly, put their under 20s on and you'll just be like, yeah. oh, damn. So, yeah, it could, yeah. I think it's going to get very, very messy for the Rebels, which is a shame because we want them finishing on somewhat positive note given how much work they have ahead of them for next year. Um, but Crusaders, are, they're pretty brutal. I think they'll be upset from last week's smaller margin and they'll make up for it. Having said that, the, um, the there's always the kind of roll the dice when you've got a bunch of guys that are unseen, unknown, and maybe playing without a lot of restraint. Like you get guys coming in and playing their natural game. They haven't been the starters. They haven't been forced into the system. Sometimes they revert to their um, natural tendencies, which is, you know, natural ability and tendencies is what has got them their opportunity to get signed and get, get an opportunity in the squad for these sides. Not saying Rebels win, never saying in this game Rebels win, but for the margin to be, um, you know, probably held up, I still think it's, say, 35, but if it was about the three tries that the Crusaders need to secure the bonus point and then the Rebels um, substitutes are just out there playing their their natural game, there could be a few points. There could be a few odd moments where you think, oh, you know, that's that's pretty risky to have, you know, put that little chip kick in. But if it's the way that guy plays and it's worked for him through schoolboy, through club, through some rep uh, opportunities, then... Sure, the, the, there's a way the Rebels score a few points here because they're not just locked into the, we're going to kick three and Tamu's going to keep our attack away from sevens. I think they could be worse. I don't know. Yeah, they could be worse. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like they'll try that, but it won't work and then they won't know what to do because they'll be forced just to play defence. And their defence has been deteriorating consistently as we go through the season and it was the and they've been scoring thing. more points but i think if you remove tamua from this equation it, it's yeah it's just it's not ideal at all like even if he's playing 10 at least he kind of controls the game a bit this guy in at 10 he's so young and inexperienced and i think if you're putting a center pairing outside him that's equally as inexperienced yeah it's just it's going to be fireworks but I'd love to see them score some points and maybe just two like B-sides going up against each other. Um, yeah, just, I don't know. No. It's, it's just no, such it's a weird way to finish the season. Yeah. Like, let's, you know. let's just move on because it's not worth talking about, to be honest. Um, Blues, Western Force, Eden Park. That's a game I can get behind a little bit more. Blues obviously on fire. They're on top of the table. They're looking at a final sort of... Um, representation here, but I think they're going to keep their strong squad out here to finish um, strong at Eden Park, though they most likely have the super final there as well. Um, but the force again, they have sparks. They're not going to win the game though. They're probably going to um, have a few sparks early, get a couple of points, and then the Blues will come back, and then um, the force will score late as they seem to do, and they'll lose by 15. I think. Just going back to the Crusaders arch quickly. Why? I think, no, because we've probably failed to realise if the Highlanders win, the Crusaders may play more of a full-strength team because they have that, that window of actually understanding where they sit on the table. Whereas if the Highlanders go down to the Brumbies, I think what we've just talked about applies. Blues, though, look, they're probably going to be... They're going to want to be playing for a home final, as you just suggested. 
So I think they're going to be out to really prove themselves in this one to a force team that, you know, they're no dummies. They they play a pretty good game plan. They're one of the teams that we can kind of be proud of, I think, this year, even though they haven't quite got the results. Um, but yeah, I'd still pick the Blues by, you know, 15 points or so. Yeah, I, I'm I'm the same, maybe a few more. Like the, the Force have had a long year. They've shown a lot of grit. They've shown a lot of promise. Um, they've shown that they deserve to be back in amongst the Australian teams uh, and, and certainly aren't just the whipping boys from the West. I, I don't see them win this game. I think it, the margin will probably blow out. Um, again, it depends a little if, if, if they've got fewer of these Wallabies guys that they're kind of, uh, you know, a bit unfit, not sitting out. Um, like then there's, there's every chance that they, they hold up, but I think the blues have probably got more to play for and playing at home. It's, it's you know, last game of the season fatigue's going to set in. I think the blues win this one handily. Will the Waratahs concede another half century of points to the Chiefs in their final game of the season at Brookvale? Yes. Mm-mm. Toby's shaking his head. I think so. I think they'll 51. put in a good performance. 27 to 51. And the reason I say that is because I think Robbie Abel could come in at a hooker. He'd be serviceable. He's not great. I think Jack Grant could come in at halfback. I think we're okay with that. Chiefs without Damian McKenzie, again, are a very different team. Um, and I think the Tars are going to be playing for pride. Regardless of the narrative during the week, I think there's a lot of pride in that jersey. And I don't think they'll let the margin get to that that point. I think we'll probably still looking at a Chiefs victory that's 10 points or more. But I don't think we're going to be looking at such a large, you know, 30, 20, 30 point margin here. I just think at Brookvale, they tend to play well. It's a at strange ground, they, yeah. They, it's it's not. They usually lose, but they lose. It's intimate, close. Margin. I think you'll get. You could possibly get some, you know, Marlins fans, Ringarats fans down there to actually be supporting the Tars, and I think in that atmosphere, it's almost more like a club rugby kind of atmosphere. Obviously, I think they'll lift for it. I don't think they'll get the victory, but I think they'll keep it respectable. I think that they will get beaten thoroughly and we'll see some good individual performances, but I, I just, yeah, if, if they can keep, if they can keep running some good lines, giving Maddox some better ball, he do a bit more with it, but yeah, no, I, I think this will be one-sided. That was a great ball by Will Harrison to set up Maddox for that try last week. Yeah, it was great ball. Great line. That's what more, I remember. More of that, please. Like yeah. where's it been? Like it's obviously, it's not complicated stuff. It's it's just, you know, setting your platform and executing. And you run some of these cutting lines um, back in toward the ruck. Some of these uh, really the hard. Is, attack flat is not puff. their problem. Attack isn't their problem. It's still defense. They could win games. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. what they're doing on attack right now. Yeah, I mean, it is. You're right. That, like if they could defend better, then they'd have a chance to defend the points they scored. But equally, if you're giving up defense entirely, then you need to score more points. So just you know, do what's working a bit more. Um, it's taking the Australian Nets approach: just just score more points than anyone else can score. That's it. That's it. Concede whatever, but if you've scored more, you still win. Um, no, just like I, I still see opportunities go begging when Australian skills aren't up to scratch, and you see guys throwing a 
a ball wide. It's this long loopy pass. It's the Tamuas. It's um, who else I saw do it was the um, might have been Stewart actually in the Reds. Just we just can't fire a ball flat hard and cut two players, put it on the winger's chest and let them barrel through um, and break the line. It's we we just give ourselves we give up so much opportunity by not being able to execute. Uh, some of those skills and um, yeah, the Waratahs aren't blessed with all that at the moment. I think this this will be one-sided and an unfortunate, sad end to their season. But, you know, when you hit rock bottom, bottom, the only way is up. Yeah, and that's what it is, isn't it, Arch? Like winless season in the professional era. In a modified professional era in terms of super rugby for the Waratahs in which their competition is actually less than what it would normally be in a non-COVID year. So they've had opportunities there to perform and they haven't done so. So, yeah, it's almost, it looks worse than it actually, you know, like it could have been worse is what I'm trying to say in a normal year. Um, but, yeah, I think that at the po- this point now, uh, New South Wales rugby has so much it can build upon. It has the resources it should have the knowledge and experience there. Um, now it's just a, a case of doing the recruitment, spending the money, and I think appointing a coach that's got the experience and know how to actually get this team, you know, together for next year. And that could that be Darren Coleman coming back from the Giltinis? We're not sure. We've heard Les Kiss from London Irish could be in the frame as well. I think we do need, you know, a higher profile, bigger name. Yeah, like someone that's really cut their teeth over a number of years. Yeah. Like rather than just going to... I mean, Penny was... I think Penny was a bit of an illusion. He had some success with Munster. It was short-lived. He left, went to Japan for a long time. And I'm not sure that's... I, I think almost he looked better than he was as a coach. Um, but... Again, he didn't really have a, a great opportunity with this team, a great yeah. chance to actually take to control the roster. The thing is, we need a coach in now that can actually assist with the roster for next year. We don't want someone coming in at the start of next year having had no say in the recruitment and things like that. So we actually need to get this done in the next couple of months to actually build on for next year. Now, Leo, I want you to open up Super Brew and I want you to... Sh- um, bring up your picks from last round of Major League Rugby. I can do that. Because I have sort of the scores here at the moment. I have the first game was the Houston Sabercats. They went down to the Austin Gilgronies and they lost by 19 points. I had them the by tip? seven. Only yeah, the seven. So the Gilgronies. Yeah, I actually thought this would be close. So the Gilgronies playing away from home, their away record wasn't great. So. Okay. But they are a team that scores a lot of points, so I probably should have known better. What about the Atlanta-Nola Gold game? What did you have there? Atlanta by five. I believe they won by one. Eight to seven, very low-scoring game there. Okay, still still pretty good. Okay, Um, San Diego versus Toronto? San Diego got up by 10. I had them by five. Mm, And you, you sent through a thing that you were really getting behind San Diego this weekend, were you? Yeah, they've just been impressing. They had Chris Robshaw come back into the side, mm-hmm. um, one of the few players I'm aware of playing in this competition upon which I would make a decision. Have they got Cam the Clark? Yeah, they do, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm not sure, actually, he's been moved you, around a little bit. What's your percentage? Sorry, Arch. I just Go want ahead. to ask what his percentage is for overall tipping for this competition. 
Oh. He's sitting. He's sitting at like seventy percent. I'm not sure where I read that stat from. You probably need it on the desk. I'll actually continue. That's all right. What about the New England Free Jacks and um, DC? This one, I was. These two teams are very even. Um, again, it was a bit of a home and away split. I picked the Free Jacks by five. They won by four. Oh my god! And then I almost feel in- like they're the same team. Darts they are almost colors. the same. Team. It's yeah. just like this yeah. is terrible branding, but anyway. Two of the new teams as well. Um, and Seattle Seawolves and Utah Warriors. Once again, like expected to be very close, went the away team. They were behind <laughs> for quite a while and Seawolves they managed to terrible, get up though. late. Yeah, and that's probably the reason that let me go Utah. Um, they only won by one. I had them by seven. Oh, my God. And so just remind me again, what's your rank in the world sort of tipping on Super Brew now? Currently number one in the world by two and a half Insanity. points. We are in the presence of a celebrity right here on the Running Rugby podcast. Oh my God. Archie, you're doing just fine at 55th in Australia. So don't <laughs> feel too I? bad. Uh, you were too Toby far down the list. I stopped looking. Much. That is not true. <laughs> you're actually not that much further than Archie. Archie oh, just jumped you in our local tipping. 1520. That's pretty, that's pretty there's a lot of players around the middle there. The interesting thing about this competition, it just shows every now and then you have this ridiculous outlier run. There's a two and a half point margin to the next person in the world. I'm on 65 points. That's like 5%. It's just, just under, it might be 4% of the total points is the gap. So there's very few people up this high, which just shows there's just a couple of people just somehow picking Winners, uh, I'm and not doing don't, don't be modest, mate. You're two and a half points ahead as well. It's not that's like, right. That's I mean, quite, that's a, that's quite a good margin. That's, that's a game and a half. So, but yeah, the point is that there's not a lot of people there. So obviously, it's been very unpredictable. And as a person who isn't across a lot of the detail and is just using some pretty basic measures, oh, don't be. I've gotten very mate. lucky. I know you. You're up on at all hours of the night searching up the latest stats on the Gilgronies and what's Fancy. happening in Seattle. Hansi Kronje down to fifth. I'm I was going to say, beating the ghost of Hansi Kronje <laughs> is probably my greatest achievement in MR. <laughs> All right, let's leave it there, boys. Um, as always, make sure, as Leo emphasised earlier, make sure you're keeping up with all the social medias. We're on at Running Rugby Podcast on Instagram and at Running Rugby Pod on Twitter. And make sure you are not subscribing these days, following us on um, Apple Podcasts or subscribing to us wherever else you listen to your podcasts as well. One more round of Super Rugby Tans, Tasman. We've got the Wallaby squad that should be coming out um, before we do our next recording as well. I can't wait to see some of the names, what Rennie is actually going to do on the back of what this season has brought about. Until next week, guys, keep on running. Run.